What a blessing to hear the things I've heard this morning. Probably the most best, best one was to hear people cheering young men and young ladies doing the one thing Satan doesn't want you to do. Memorizing, claiming the living word of God in your soul. When Jesus was tested by the devil, what did he do? He went to the word. And if it's good for Jesus, I can tell you this, it's good for Herb. It's good for you. I challenge you, before you leave here, at least learn a couple of three verses. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. God looks at you and he says, will you learn my Bible? How many of you have a hard time memorizing anything? All right, do you know, keep your hands up as long, now, now do you know, how many of you who have your hand lifted, you know what your name is? If you know your name, you can put your hands down. Uh-oh, we got two guys back here, I still got to, hold it just a minute, we got a problem here. Oh, we thought we'd have to have someone tell you your name here. You got your friend over here, he had his hand up still also there. All right. You know, memorization really is based upon desire, not capability. Let's all say that together. Memorization is based upon desire, not capability. Say it one more time. Some of you haven't gotten it yet. Let's do that again one more time. Memorization is based upon desire, not capability. Now, some can memorize more. Some can memorize less. But one of the most important things you can do, thy word have I hid in mine heart. That's one of the most important things you'll ever do in your life. And because all around you, all the advertisements that are coming are trying to flood their soul into your life. And you need to keep it in mind. God has a plan for you, and it's a lot better than any advertisement you'll ever see or ever think about. We started yesterday talking about some of God's creatures. There in the book of, uh, uh, over in the book of Proverbs. And if you want to go over there again this morning here, just to keep in mind about a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit of time. The Bible says there are four things that are little upon the earth in Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 24. But they are exceeding wise. And that's what got me onto those, those about those creatures. The wisest man next to Jesus who ever lived at one time, he was the smartest man, wisest you could ever find, Solomon. And he said, these creatures are wise. And if they're wise, I need to think about what it is and why they're wise. And that's why we talked to you yesterday. And it was interesting about the, you know, about the ants. It's amazing what God does to those little creatures. And they're wise because of the preparation they take. They know that winter's coming. They need to get ready for it. They know they need to bring in the food. They have to get ready for it. So when you think about an ant, they're preparing and they're working industrious as could be to take care of that. God says they're wise because of their preparation. You're wise. I really believe this. What you're doing here is one of the wisest things you can do. It's okay to say amen around here. Amen. Amen. Say women too if you wanted to. But uh, you're wise 
to be here. Why? Because you're getting the Word of God from your teachers, from your workers. You're getting the Word of God when you're saying here. You're getting Word of God and everything that goes on with those who lead this area. And let's give them a round of applause in already, okay? That's not a very good one. Come on, get it. Yeah. And uh, because if they weren't working at this, this wouldn't be going on at all. I've been to a lot of camps, and I really have never been one that's always as good as what they do here. Danny and all of them. And how many of you have ever heard that uh, military march last night that our dear pastor sang? That blew me away. I sent that to my wife and my daughter, and they, they, that's awesome, man. But uh, and I really mean such a gifted pastor, and he's probably good because he's got a great wife. See, let me pull this back here a little bit. Again, that sound is coming through that thing there. But uh, what you have a chance to do here, God is pleased with. I can show you this. The enemy of the soul is not pleased with it. He'd love to have you get mad at somebody here and then just take off the other way. Close your mind down. Say, I'm not going to learn anything. And you're a loser because God wants you to hide my word in your heart. Some can get more some can get less. But that's the plan of God for all of us. And so the ants were so wise, they prepare their meat in the summer. And the Bible talks about we can learn from different animals. If you write down Isaiah 1.3, uh, the ox knows his owner. Isn't that amazing? Some people don't know that God is the creator and really owns you. The ox knows his owner, and the ass or the donkey is the master's crib. Israel does not know. My people do not con they don't consider Isaiah 1.3. Ingratitude. But animals aren't. They know us. Fowls of the air, they reprove our inattention. What do you mean? Jeremiah 8.7, the stark in the heavens knows her appointed times. We need to know our appointed times. We need that one day, every one of us here will be either raptured or will be in the body will be in the grave somewhere. Know your appointed times. I turned 80 in a, about another month, and uh, I never knew I'd get there. My brothers, most of them didn't make it. Murdered, this happened to them, that happened to them, and so on. And uh, the stark knows their appointed time. The turtle and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of the Lord. Isn't it amazing? Some of these creatures know what's coming up, but, but the Jewish people, some of them just march right into the future in terrible shape. He says, look at the animals. They'll teach you. That ant teaches you to prepare. The, the fowls improve unbelieving attitudes. Matthew 6, 26 says, Behold the fowls of the air. They don't sow, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? You know, I've never seen a bird come up to my window and say, can you feed me? I'm in need. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's amazing God put it into them to realize they're going to get fed. And says, God says, listen, they know what to do. Don't be so worried about things. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him. He'll bring it to pass. Some of you going into college. Some of you going to high school. Whatever you do. Lord... You said you'd never leave me, you'll never forsake me, so I'm gonna, I want to follow what you want me to do. Learn his passageway verses. If, if a bird can do that, we can do the same thing. And God says, learn from the fowls of the air. Learn from their trust 
in the eternal Savior. And then, what about your fears? Matthew 10, verses 29-31. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? One of them shall not fall to the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, you're more value than many sparrows. Every one of you, God loves you so much more than you can ever imagine. Some of you may come from homes where not much love goes on. Some of you may have brothers and sisters may not show much love. Some of you may have gone through some things where people have said things to you or about you, mocked you about, but there's a Savior who loves you more than you can ever guess. And hanging on the cross, he saw that time when someone mocked you or someone abused you or someone did whatever. He says, I love you. I'm going to die for you. Come to me. All you that have labored or heavy laden, I'll take care of you. What a God I serve. What a privilege. I need to get to know him every day. You need to get to know him every day that he can speak to your soul. It's an amazing thing. <clears throat> and then I, the coney, it's interesting. The Bible speaks about this little creature. The Bible says in verse 26 of Proverbs 30, the conies are but a feeble folk. Ha, ha, ha. Yet make they their houses in the rocks. They know what they can't do, and so they go to the rock. They know what they can't accomplish, so they go to the rocks. They know what's going to attack them, so they go to the rocks. They know that they need that protection. You see, they're wise because of the protection they enjoy. And God looks down, I believe, at every one of us and says, what are you, what are you doing to get the right kind of protection? I want you to watch something here for, it's about four or five minutes. And this fellow trains, now who, who, are the, who are our prime, premier young men and ladies who go in and if we need to attack some other place, what do they call them? Pardon? Navy SEALs. Navy SEALs. This guy was a very good Navy SEAL. He's, he's speaking at the University of Texas. And listen to the verse. He goes through a lot of things, but just the first start of this here. And he's going to tell you what's the most important thing, one of the most important things you can ever do every day. In the military, it's what they taught their people. Go ahead, sir. very much. Thank you. Well, thank you, President Powers. Provost Fenves, deans, members of the faculty, family and friends, and most importantly, the class of 2014. It is, it is indeed an honor for me to be here tonight. It's been almost 37 years to the day that I graduated from UT. I remember a lot of things about that day. I remember I had a throbbing headache from a party the night before. I remember I had a serious girlfriend, who I later married. That's important to remember, by the way. And I remember I was getting commissioned in the Navy that day. But of all the things I remember, I don't have a clue who the commencement speaker was, and I certainly don't remember anything they said. So acknowledging that fact, if I can't make this commencement speech memorable, I will at least try to make it short. So the university's slogan is, what starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. Tonight, there are almost 8,000 students, or there are more than 8,000 students, graduated from UT. 
So that great paragon of analytical rigor, Ask.com, says that the average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. 10,000 people, that's a lot of folks. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10, then in five generations, 125 years, the class of 2014 will have changed the lives of 800 million people. 800 million people. Think about it. Over twice the population of the United States. Go one more generation, and you can change the entire population of the world. Eight billion people. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever, you're wrong. I saw it happen every day in Iraq and Afghanistan. A young army officer makes a decision to go left instead of right down a road in Baghdad, and the 10 soldiers with him are saved from a close-in ambush. In Kandahar province, Afghanistan, a non-commissioned officer from the female engagement team senses that something isn't right and directs the infantry platoon away from a 500-pound IED, saving the lives of a dozen soldiers. But if you think about it, not only were those soldiers saved by the decisions of one person, but their children were saved, and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Well, I'm confident that it will look much, much better. But if you'll humor this old sailor for just a moment, I have a few suggestions that may help you on your way to a better world. And while these lessons were learned during my time in the military, I can assure you that it matters not whether you ever served a day in uniform. It matters not your gender, your ethnic or religious background, your orientation, or your social status. Our struggles in this world are similar, and the lessons to overcome those struggles and to move forward, changing ourselves and changing the world around us will apply equally to all. I've been a Navy SEAL for 36 years, but it all began when I left UT for basic SEAL training in Coronado, California. Basic SEAL training is six months of long, torturous runs in the soft sand, midnight swims in the cold water off San Diego, obstacle courses, unending calisthenics, days without sleep, and always being cold, wet, and miserable. It is six months of being constantly harassed by professionally trained warriors who seek to find the weak of mind and body and, and eliminate them from ever becoming a Navy SEAL. But the training also seeks to find those students who can lead in an environment of constant stress, chaos, failure, and hardships. To me, basic SEAL training was a lifetime of challenges crammed into six months. So here are the 10 lessons I learned from basic SEAL training that hopefully will be of value to you as you move forward in life. Every morning in SEAL training, my instructors, who at the time were all Vietnam veterans, would show up in my barracks room, and the first thing they'd do was inspect my bed. If you did it right, the corners would be square, the covers would be pulled tight, the pillow centered just under the headboard, and the extra blanket folded neatly at the foot of the rack. It was a simple task, mundane at best, but every morning, we were required to make our bed to perfection. It seemed a little ridiculous at the time, particularly in light of the fact that we were aspiring to be real warriors, tough, battle-hardened SEALs. 
But the wisdom of this simple act has been proven to me many times over. If you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride, and it will encourage you to do another task, and another, and another. And by the end of the day, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that the little things in life matter. If you can't do the little things right, you'll never be able to do the big things right. And if by chance you have a miserable day, you will come home to a bed that is made, <laughs> that you made. And a made bed gives you encouragement that tomorrow will be better. So if you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. <laughs> during SEAL training, the students, during training, the students are all broken down into boat crews. Each crew is seven students, three on each side of a small rubber boat, and one coxswain to help guide the dinghy. I would encourage you to get that video, and you can pull it up with Google. Great to hear what they are talking about, the, what they go through. But the first thing, what's the first thing they had to learn to do? Make their bed. Make their bed. Isn't that amazing? Priorities. <clears throat> In the Bible, Matthew chapter 6, if you'll turn there for a minute, God has some instructions for every one of us. And there, he makes this, this statement to me and to you. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Matthew 6, 33. If you have it, let's say it together. But seek ye first. Let's say it out loud together. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And why did he say that? He said that because you have an enemy that every day wants to destroy you. Lucifer, as a roaring lion, walketh about looking whom he may devour. And what we need to do is, first of all, make sure that we are in tune with our Heavenly Father on a daily basis. Now there, when we're talking about the creatures, the coney was really interesting because he is wise because of the protection they enjoy. Now this isn't a coney, but he's about like that. They're a little bit bigger than this. Sometimes they get about as big as a groundhog, but they have no strong teeth. They don't have strong feet. They don't have anything that can protect them from the uh, uh, birds that fly over or other animals come around. And so the Bible tells us that they, they make their home in the rocks. They have enough sense to realize that they don't have the ability to take care of themselves. And so the Bible tells us the same thing about you young ladies and you young men. Seek ye what? First. The what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. That means first it needs to become Jesus in your heart. First it becomes taking time in the word of God. First it becomes taking time in prayer. Being first to let Jesus Christ rule my life. You young people who have memorized scripture already, realize this, God is opening your heart, your center of your very being, for you to learn some things that will help you for the very rest of your life. When I think of a coney, it's pretty interesting about him there. Uh, there's some 
things about them. The Bible tells me about that little creature there. That uh, look at the coney. They're very feeble, feeble folk. They're feeble. They they're weak. They don't have much strength. They have no horns or claws. Their teeth are weak. They don't have any you know, coney dentist and so on. And they need help. The Bible says Isaiah 35, 2 of us, or Isaiah 35, 2, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. God looks at us and says, listen, we're feeble people in one, one respect. Every one of you, now you may be strong physically, you may be strong mentally, maybe whatever, but we can't defeat the enemy of the soul, but Jesus can. And God calls every one of us every day, just like those soldiers were told to make your bed, if you'll start your day with the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be amazed what can take place. Feeble folk, feeble folk. That little creature, God says, are one of the main things I want you to know about, think about the co- that little animal called a coney. No muscles, but knows that when troubles come, I got to run to the rock. I need to keep near the rock. And all of us need to be near the rock. And that rock in our life is the Lord Jesus Christ. He tells us to go there. David, look at Psalm chapter 38, verse 8. David speaks about that one who can minister to him. Chapter 38, verse 8. Let me find here. Somebody got that? I'd like to let you read it. Chapter 38, verse 8. Somebody got that? Stand up and read it. We got it. Real quick. Real quick. Stand up. Loud and clear. Now. Chapter 38, verse 8. Can you read that? All right. Read that. Yep. I am feeble and strong spoken. I have warred. By reason of the of my heart. All right. I'll read it also. Thank you for doing that, son. I am feeble and sore broken. I've roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. <laughs> That's the fellow that fought uh, Goliath. David realized he needed daily help. Every one of you just like those soldiers, there's the first thing you need to do in your life, and that's to seek ye first, seek ye first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Many of you will want to get up in the morning and turn your, you know, get your phone on, do this or do that. Get your phone on and get, get a Bible in there, a KJV one, and uh, start reading before you do anything else. First thing you can do, most important thing in the world, is to go through the Word. Because this little feeble animal Wake without much strength, nothing to protect itself, no horns, no claws. And he has to go, if he wants some peace, if he wants some direction, if he wants to be able to do something the rest of the day, he's got to be close to the rock. He has to go to that place for his, his protection. And they're weak, but they're, you know, they're wise because they make their houses in the rocks. They can't burrow down in the ground. That's not their strength to do that. God 
gave them a shelter that's already pro provided. And may I say this to you? You can't earn your way to heaven. There's only one way to get there, through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and then he's the rock we're to go to. Now, they had that safety. The safety is sometimes just near little cave areas kind of thing. But the rocks were there because the eagles would come and pick them up, kill them, and eat them. We have an enemy that every day he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He'll devour some young people through sex. He'll cause them to think, this is okay to do, and he'll destroy you. How many times I've saw, seen individuals who started out wanting to love the Lord, but instead of getting close to the rock, they just got into romance. And they got away from the Word of God, which is rocks for you, protections for you. And it's okay for me to do this or do that, and it destroys them. I know of individuals who have been called into ministry, and they look back with longing eyes. I, I know I should have done this. And can you imagine standing before the master of all people, the Lord Jesus Christ? And if you're saved, you'll, stand, you'll be there. And he had all, so much that he wanted to lay for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust nor corrupt or thieves break through and steal. And to stand in the presence of Jesus Christ and realize that you failed him all the way. And all of, all of us mess up at times. But get straight on it. But what a joy is if you stand before him and you've been faithful to him. And one day you will stand before him. And I will also. And he, he, he loves us. And to have him say, well done, thou good and faithful soldier. Enter thou into the joys of the Lord. That's the promise he has. But if like this little coney, this little creature, we may be, I, I know as there some of you guys and girls have some strong arms. Y'all were trying to knock people's heads off. <laughs> One of them in particular, I know over here was doing that. Yeah, thank you. I, I thought, I wouldn't want to get, and there's some of you girls who are mean. <laughs> mean granddaughters of pastors. <laughs> I'm like, they didn't even, and here comes the other one. Not a smile on their face. I thought, that's those sweet girls I used to know. Good night. No mercy. No mercy whatsoever. Anything else you want to say? Oh, what? <laughs> Just don't interrupt you, okay? You go ahead, right? She even turns red sometimes. I'm impressed. That's good. Good. That's okay. But, you know, even with all that strength, they got to come to the king. You got to come to the Lord. Got to give him time. The coney has enough sense to realize I better stay close to the rock. If I don't, I'm going to get eaten up. And I can promise you this: if you don't stay close to the rock, you may be saved. You'll be saved till the day you die if you trust Him as Savior. But you'll have sometime a miserable life because you're not able to do what God wants you to do. Stay close to the rock. And 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 He said here. He said, these are wise little creatures. And, and he went to one of the most feeble creatures he could find. That little creature, he said, that's a wise little creature. And so don't let anybody look at you and say, you can't do something for the cause of Christ. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Every one of you, God will put something into your heart. I really mean this. He'll put it into your heart, do, do something special for his glory. 
And it'll be amazing what you can do. You may be amazed about it. But if you gotta, you got to be available. you got to be close to the rock. If you're living away from the rock, Jesus, I can promise you this, you'll reach a place where you're going to have some damage. The world's going to throw things at you. The flesh is going to throw things at you. And the devil's going to throw things at you. You need to stay close to the rock if you're going to have any victory. And uh, if you do that, I can promise you this, God will begin to open up some opportunities for your life. I mentioned about my, when I got saved, I'd worked for the, worked for the Federal Reserve Bank, had a great, great job. And then, uh, you know, uh, a, a, an older gentleman invited me to church, and I, came, and I got saved. And it was, a, it was an amazing thing. Uh, I started reading my Bible, and, he, and the pastor's son was about 15. I was about 18 at 17, 18 at the time. And he'd continually meet with me and say, let's do this and let's do that and in a good way. He was trying to keep me close to the rock, Amen. trying to help me stay strong in the Lord. He bugged me, drive me nuts at times. But had he not done that, the crowd I ran with would have devoured me Amen. because of what we were doing. I can still remember one time, a bunch of them were going to go for a big beer bus down in Galveston, Texas. And I used to do all that kind of stupidity. And now I'm saved at this time. And one of the guys was taking me home to get my stuff. And I was arguing with the Holy Spirit in my mind. I'm not going to drink anything, but these are my friends. And so the closer we got to my house, what are you going to do, Herb? Are you going to be close to the rock? Or are you going to be over here in this thing over here? And I had to tell that individual. These guys have been friends of mine. I used to do, we used to do some, well, anyway, we did the stuff. And I looked at him. I said, hey, I can't go. I'm not going to go. And so he dropped me off. He went back. That was one of the loneliest days of my life. I grew up with these guys. I stole stuff with these guys. I did this with that. I did that with that. And he knows that I'm a believer now. And I imagine what he's saying. And I was lonely. I, I felt like, a f- God, what's going on? What's wrong with my life? Why can't I have? And the Spirit of God was telling me, get close to the rock. Amen. Get close to the rock. A little later, time went by. And my best friend was Dickie Treese. And uh, got a phone call from him. Because I'd help see him come to faith in Christ. He was a neat guy. And uh, he called me up. He says, hey, my nickname is Butch. He said, Butch, I want you to do my funeral. Hey, how'd you like to get a phone call like that in the middle of the night? I said, what you talking about? He said, they've told me I've got cancer and I'll be dead in about three months. Handsome, great guy. And uh, I said, yeah, Dickie, you know, Sure. Went to the funeral, and the same guy who drove me home that night, who went back, and he, I found out he was mocking me when he got back to the crowd of these guys. And uh, he said, you know what happened when I, um, when I got back there? I said, I don't have any clue. I said, I was, I was lonely. He said, I walked up and I said, hey, Herb's got religion. He won't go with us anymore. Dickie grabbed him around the throat. He said, shut up. He's got more guts than all of us put together. I thought he was going to be mocking me. But God used that to speak to 
my friend's heart. And when he came to a place of dying, he didn't want somebody was living like hell. He wanted somebody who was living for Christ. And I can tell you this, God will use you if you'll let him use you. But you'll go through some trials to get there. You better be close to the rock. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt, you'll prosper. You'll have good success. But you need to listen to your pastor, listen to your Sunday school teachers. Let them build that into your heart. Instead of going to the drink with everybody down, away from the rock, get near the rock every day. Every day, take time to get up and get in the Word of God. Let God minister to you. I didn't have anything until I got Jesus. It's amazing that feeble folk hiding there because he knows nothing is going to take care of me like the rock. There's one who will take care of you far more than anything else. And the coins are wise. Proverbs 30 verse 24 says, because of that protection, they know they're weak. They know that they're foolish at some times if they try to go by by themselves. And we ought to feel the same way. So, I mean, I'd had guys look at me and say, what, are you a Bible banger? Yeah. What's your next question? Don't apologize for your Christianity. I've looked at guys who are mocking me and said, so you're a Christian? I said, yeah, I am, aren't you? Why not? Why not? Don't be, be haughty, but why not? Be truthful about it. God's word will speak to your heart. And as you stay close to the rock, and this book is part of that rock, and let God speak to you every day, every day, every day. Somebody says, man, that takes discipline. Oh, don't lie to me. You go to eat every day. If you can eat every day, you can take time with God every day. Well, I got to call my boyfriend. Get out of here. Call your father every day. Father, what would you have me to do? Help me, Lord. I'll be honest. Bob can be very intimidating, even though I worked with him when he was younger. He knows this book. I think I, I know a lot of it. God has gifted y'all with a pastor and his wife and Danny and the girls and all the guys there. What a privilege to be around Big Rock. Don't apologize for it. But if you get away from people who are teaching you the Word of God, you're in trouble. And I've had to pray, Lord, give me grace to say what I need to say for the guys and girls here as best I can. And because if I don't stay close to the rock, I'm in trouble. And so are you. And there's that little Coney. They look at the Coons kids. Man, oh, you're a Coons kid, huh? My brother was in jail. My brother's murdered. My brother this, my brother that. And, 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 and you're going to Bible college, huh? <laughs> well, that's where the rock wants me to go. Remember, do what Jesus wants. You'll be amazed what will take place in your life. Amen. Miss Coney, anyway, he goes to that protection, protection and, and they enjoy it there. And they... We're to hide in that shelter, which is the word of God, prayer with the Lord. And it's a picture like mankind. The Bible tells me this. You know, we don't have any 
We don't have a defense against God's judgment. He that believeth on him is not condemned, though. Thank God. He that believeth not is condemned already. When you meet someone and they say, well, I'll think about trusting the Lord. Well, you know what? An unsaved person is already, condemnation is already there. They're not near the rock. When you, came, when you got saved, you moved in near the rock through the Lord Jesus Christ. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And in ourselves, we're powerless against Satan and sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that blinding one. Our refuge has to be the rock of ages every day. And because if you're not careful, you say, well, I don't need to read my Bible. I don't need to pray. I don't need to do this or that. God, God will put you in a situation just to wake you up if you can. Amen. And I want to be in far less situations like that if I can avoid it. And I challenge you, listen, take time to let God speak to your heart. The Bible says in Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. Let me tell you a story. Jerry Sykes. Y'all don't know Jerry. I was, uh, he was my neighbor. And uh, in Houston. And I'd gone off to Bible college and I'd come back and it was a, uh, it was a Sunday afternoon. I still remember, I had a suit on about this color. And I'd just gotten, and I wanted to talk to Jerry about Jesus. Now, he, was, he had a religious background, but he didn't have Jesus Christ. And so, he, I said, Let, let's go get something to eat or whatever. And so, he was driving the car, and we were sitting at this drive-in. Now, in Texas, in those days, guys would have their cars, and they could, you know, you're driving around the... Uh, eating place, and you hear those cars, you know, and, and they're, they're hitting the gas pedal, thinking the girls must like this, and most girls probably looking at it, what's wrong with that idiot? But uh, uh, that's a big thing you do, did down there. And anyway, I was talking to Jerry, and we're in the car, and he had, a, he had a pen, some kind of a knife, he was working on something on the dash on his car there. All of a sudden, in walks, or one guy comes running up to him, Right up to the, to the window. You're the blankety blank blank that did this, huh? I'm sitting there in my suit and got my Bible. I'm hearing one guy cussing out the other guy. <clears throat> and uh, Jerry said, man, get away, leave me alone, get out of here. And so the guy did, and the guy reached in to, to hit him. And then Jerry, holding the pen knife, reached out and sliced his neck. And uh, he said, we got to get out of here. I said, why? He said, I just cut him real bad. I thought, dear Lord, coming home from Bible college, I'm going to go to jail. <laughs> and uh, that was serious. And so he backed up, and off we went. He said, we got to get out of here. He said, those guys will try to kill me. And so I see my future going right out the window. Dear God, God will put you in different places sometimes. And I, I thought, this witness isn't going very well right now. <laughs> so, I mean, it really wasn't. And so, uh, we, we're high talented. And then Houston had used to what they call shell streets. It's uh, shells that get out of the ocean, whatever. And they're white with uh, dust and everything else. And I said, Jerry, I got to go back there with those kids to see if I can do something there. 
And uh, so we're, we'd gone about a mile or two, and uh, he opened, he said, get out. And then he off he took again. So I'm out there, suit on, tie on, all this stuff. And I'm trying to dust myself off. And up comes a car. And it's a bad car. And about six guys inside the car. And I knew one of them. He was a real supposedly bad dude from the high school that I'd graduated from. And they got out, and uh, they're carrying tire tools and everything else. I can never forget this one guy came walking up towards me, you dirty blankety blank. I mean, cussing me up one side and down the other. And, and what are you doing then? Well, I looked and said, I want you to know I do not appreciate your language. I'm a born-again Christian, and I'm not going to get in your car, and I'm dusting myself off. And when I'm saying that, I really mean this. I'm saying it, but I'm thinking, what am I saying? What am I saying? What am I saying? <laughs> that was the Holy Spirit of God speaking. I really mean that sincerely. It's a unique... Because their desire was to beat the you-know-what out of me. I still remember he came up with me that territory. I said, and I'm not getting in your car. They stopped. He looked at me. He turned around, got in the car, and took off. And I'm thinking, what did I just say? That's the Spirit of God. Amen. Now, I'm thankful to God that I was living close to the rock. His rock was his word. And God says, listen, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So you can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I went home, and I only learned, now this may sound strange to you, because I read this has happened to missionaries before. I can still remember those guys just looking at me. All of them. I mean, man, they beat the you-know-what out of me. And they all just turned around, said not a word, got in the car, drove on. And I thought, I don't understand it through all these years. And a friend of ours was over at my daughter's house where I was just recently. She said, you know, I said, I don't understand what stopped him. And then just looked and turned around. She said, you know, the Bible talks about angels defending people. And you may not have seen it, but I believe there's a possibility you could have had an angel standing in front of you. Looking at those guys, daring them to come. I've heard of missionaries that God has taken care of them especially. Now, don't look for that kind of a thing. You can hurt yourself. <laughs> you don't do things like that. And you don't, you don't broadcast things like that. But I want to share that with you to realize that, listen, you have a God who loves you far more than anybody in this world. And you can trust him in difficult times. You can believe him in those kinds of times. It's amazing what God will do with you if you'll not take the glory, you give it back to him. Trust the rock. Trust the rock. Let the rock lead your life. I, I got a phone call one day from a federal judge. They're tough guys. He wanted me to come to do a memorial for a fellow who uh, worked in one of the big security areas there and uh, protecting the presidents and all these things here. He was a member of our church in, in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and he wanted me to come, and he said, uh, you know, uh, you know, getting to see him, you go through about seven different guard places and everything else there. And he had notes from all kinds of presidents and everything else. Big, big dude in Ohio. He said, now, we're going to have this funeral here, or this memorial. He said, remember, this is a, this is a federal court. This is not a church. Now, he's a believer. And uh, I'm thinking, why in the world they want me to be here? 
When you trust the rock, he'll take you to places you can never imagine, that you'll never believe. And I said, okay. So I worked up some things. And, I, and, and when all these people came in, I, man, they, they were from Washington, D.C., and from this place, and from that place. And I'm just a Baptist pastor here in the town here. And I shared some thoughts with them there. And then when I finished up, one of their own uh, sheriffs or whatever you'd call them, he said, I want to say something. And he started where I had finished. And, and I'd shared the gospel but this guy, he took off in the Word of God, and I just listened to this guy share the Word of God to his brethren that were there. I couldn't do it because it was not the right tenant to do that. But he did. Now, I shared a little bit. He shared a whole bunch. I thought, keep preaching it, man. Keep preaching it. And God used me to touch his heart for him to share it. When it was all said and done, they, and he shared the gospel with all these people, when... when when it was all over, the federal judge came walking up to me and said, that is the very first time that we've ever had church in a federal courtroom. How in the world does that happen? Well, if you live close to the rock, God will give you different places to go. Amen. You'll be amazed what God can do if you let him. Again, Herb Kuntz, I didn't have any pedigree, but I know this. If you'll every day say, Lord Jesus, use me, you'll be amazed what God will do. How to take care of you. You know, we, you know we're the, center, the, the sinner's refuge. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our rock. For in the time to come, he'll hide me in the pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle, shall he hide me. He'll set me up upon a rock. Psalm 27, verse 5. Isn't that neat? If you're a servant, you can be, he's your refuge. Cause me to hear of thy loving kindness in the morning. For in thee do I trust Cause me, Psalm 143, verse 8 and 9, to know the way wherein I should walk. I lift up my soul unto thee. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I pray, I flee unto thee to hide me. Go to the rock every day. Every day. Every day. God calls us to do that. Oh, I can handle it in my own life. No, no, no. You know, you need to turn it over to him. He's a soldier's refuge. Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be amazed what God can do in your life. I worked for the Federal Reserve Bank, and I had been burdened about ministry, and, and I had been praying. I told one of our guys about this yesterday here. I'd been praying, but God, I, can't, I don't have any money. You can work in a bank, but you're not going to get paid much unless you rob it. But, uh, <laughs> and uh, I had once put my hands around a million dollars. One of the guys there did. He said, come on down the stairs there. And uh, he pushed out this stuff. He said, now you're holding a million dollars, but you got to give it back. He said, mm-hmm. anyway. And so anyway, I was praying one night, God, if I need your help. I need it all the time. But I really, really, really need your help if I'm going to go to college, whatever. Got to work the next day. This same guy, Dickie Treese, the guy who got the other guy out of the throat. He called me and said, hey, i got a job for you. Really? He said, yeah. And he told me how much it was with the company that he was working for. I said, great. I've got to give him two weeks' notice. I'll give him those two weeks' notice, and I'll be there. He said, no, I need you today. I, I said, well, now, I, in those days, you don't, you always give two weeks' notice. And I'd just gotten a promotion at the place where I worked at. And he, uh, he said, no, I need you. And I need you in a couple of hours if you're going to do this. And I thought, oh, Lord. So I went and talked to one of the guys at the Fed, who I think was a believer, and he just looked at me and said, you know, 
If you leave the feds, you can't come back. And not audibly, but in my soul, the Lord said, you won't want to come back. The rock takes care of you. I went into the bathroom and I thought, oh, Lord, what do I do? Not audibly, but really to my soul. I looked in the mirror and said, Lord, what, what am I going to do? I wasn't looking for the Lord in the mirror, but I was just looking in the mirror. And how do I do? What do I do, God? And in my heart, in my soul, the Lord just spoke to my soul. That wasn't an audible thing, but it was there. He said, you did say you needed a job now. I thought, oh, boy. So, yes, sir. And so off I walked. And when I told the boss, I was leaving that day, middle of the day, going to take a, my, this friend told me I had to take a lie detector test. I thought, oh boy, this may be a problem. And so I told him and I left. And I learned later, and this, that was a different era, they were thrilled to have somebody leaving the Fed, going into the ministry. I thought they would hate it, but they are very gracious to me in that situation. When you trust the rock, most anything can take care of. And the coney, if he wants to get ahead, he has to, you know, that's the servant's refuge. And Jesus will be your refuge. I promise you this, he can take care of you. If he can take care of that, those, those, those low-blower guys who would have, literally, they would have beat me half to death that day had I said anything else to them. But when I came to them with the words from the refuge, the words from the rock, it's amazing what God could do. Stopped every one of them. And that image has lived with me since I, that happened there. And that's all that it was. You trusted the rock. And God wants you to trust the rock. He wants you to realize that really, you, you, you don't have the ability against Lucifer. Neither do I. But Jesus does. Amen. Claim his promise. Claim his love. You're looking for directions. Thy word have I said in my heart that I not sin against you. I want to live a life that's clean before you, Lord. Lord, show me your direction. Just make sure, Lord, whatever I do, I want it to be to your glory, not to be my claim. And if God has put a desire in your heart to be something and do something and it's clean to do, listen, keep walking that way unless he tells you something else. God wants you to enjoy much of life if you let him the right way. I've talked to some of you and you already got your eyes on uh, some different ministries or whatever you want to do as far as work. It's okay. Just walk with the rock. Walk with the one who can make you special in life. Soldiers' refuge, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. There comes a day, every one of you will have to say something about Jesus maybe to someone else there. And, and it may be a scary situation. Those, some of those were for me. But by the grace of God, Amen. I learned that the rock's going to be there with me. Amen. His name's Jesus. Amen. And what have he faced? That little coney. He, doesn't have, he can't bite anybody. That coney can't, can't outrun anybody. But what he can do, he can run and hide in the rock. You know what God says to you? Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. Burdens light. Because the burdens of this world are hell. They'll destroy your life. And you'll have people that'll look at you young people and say, you know, you're going to be one of those sissy Christians? All right, that guy's a jerk when he's talking to you like that. 
You serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and you need to be that Coney that says, I may not have much, but Jesus got a whole lot, and I'm going to follow what he has to say to me. I wouldn't be alive here probably had I said anything else to those guys who came at me with the tire tools and everything else there. But God, but God, you'll face things that the only one who can get you through it, and it needs to be something in your heart that you know is real, and it's not just something that you're thinking about, but Jesus, I'm trusting you. I promise you this. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never do that. I've had a lot of people that went, walked the other way. But he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So you can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I'll not fear what man shall do unto me. Well, what would have happened if you had died that day? I'd be in Jesus' presence. What's the next problem? I'm glad I didn't get hit like I thought that was going to happen that day. But what God can do. Let me give you a little closure. For 50 years, it's been about that now. Jerry Sykes, what's going on in his life? I wonder if he's even alive. Literally. For about three months, I was thinking about Jerry. I got a phone call. I, on my, my phone, there's a text. Jerry Sykes. What? And I said, is this the Jerry Sykes that lived? Yeah, is this you, Butch? That's my nickname. And uh, he, he was a fishing camp down in Nicaragua or someplace there. I thought he was probably into drugs. But uh, anyway, neat, he, after 50 years, stayed in touch with me. And I was able to talk to him about what took place that particular day. Share to him what the, what the rock does. May I say to you, you may not have that kind of a thing, but the Holy Spirit of God says, you be smart like that little coney. You be something that says, I'm going to do it God's way. You do that, and I promise you this, God Almighty is looking for young men and young ladies who want to put Jesus first. Amen. He wants to use them for his glory. He wants them to learn from their pastor, learn from the Sunday school teachers, take the word of God and hide the word in your heart that might not sin against you, Lord. God, help me to be that person. Help me to take that kind of a time. Help me to commit myself daily to listen to you, read about you, claim your promises. And, and, and you know what? You, you may not be hearing somebody blowing a whistle or something here, but in heaven they'll blow a whistle and say, hey, he's learning some verses. He's learning the word of God. Lord, you got something going for that guy. And angels, the same thing. And God looks very wise at those who claim his power and claim his word.